Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, guys, happy Easter. We are uh, continuing our series called Investigating Jesus today. And it is an exciting time to be gathering as a church, whether we're online or in person. So um, if, you're, if you're married there today, if you're married, if you're thinking about being married, but if you're married, let me ask you to do something. Think back to your engagement. Think back to that time where you perhaps got down on one knee or someone proposed to you, or maybe if you're a guy, you proposed to your wife. Now uh, you proposed and she said, yes, I'm sure that it was super special. I'm sure that it was an incredible time for you. But let me ask this, just imagine if she had said no. Imagine if she had turned you down, like, and if you've ever been told no on, uh, for a date or maybe for someone to dance with you or maybe for a job, uh, it's a bad feeling. It's an awful feeling to be told no. Now, if you're the one asking uh, and, and you propose that question, uh, it's, it has to be this I'm about to throw up feeling, that feeling of, oh my goodness, what am I about to do? Will she say yes? Will she say no? And that's because you've made an offer. And when you think about your engagement, you made an offer to her. If you're the guy or your wife, perhaps he made an offer to you. And the offer was something that you could decide yes or no to. And if you said no, or if you were told no, everything stops right there. Like a no stops all the possibilities. A, a, a yes leads to all kinds of possibilities. And so when you're a kid or a young adult and you ask someone else out or you ask somebody to go with you, like I did when I was in elementary school, and the other person says, yes, that leads to all kinds of possibilities like texts together or notes passed in class or phone calls or maybe holding hands together. But, uh, but a no leads to that stopping. And when you're an adult and you make that offer and someone says yes to a marriage proposal, that means life ahead. And there's a future ahead together. And and all the possibilities that that opens up, all the possibilities that that brings. Now, when you hear a no, it's rejection. It's maybe even embarrassment. It's, It's this whole thing where she has control over the situation to say yes or to say no. I remember a long time ago working with a couple in a different church who had two kids. They had 10 years of marriage behind them, but the husband decided to chase women on the internet. And he did that. And when he started doing that, he was saying no to his wife's offer of relationship. It was heartbreaking. Uh, You may have had a business partner who said no to you or a friend that you pursued who said no to you in terms of your friendship and or the possibility of that and you just gave up and it leads to heartbreak it really does and heartbreak is this thing that's a universal feeling it's a universal feeling in fact god himself feels heartbreak god himself feels it 
So we're in this series called Investigating Jesus, and we're considering Luke's account of the life of Jesus himself. And the question that I asked last week is a question that we'll continue to ask, and it's this. Could Luke be lying? I mean, I mean, his, this whole story, did he just make it up, or was he telling the truth? But uh, today, on Easter Sunday, as we celebrate this time of the year, I want to take you back a little bit in the story. Now, a lot of us have uh, our thoughts about God when it comes to who he is and what he's like. Some of you feel like God is like the force, right? Like, like he's just like the force. He's this very abstract feeling out there. He's this, this, this sense of things. He makes things happen, but we can't really know him. Some of us feel like God is more like like, like, a, like a judge, like I've got a judge's robe here. Some of us feel like he's more just the judge dispensing judgment all the time. Now, uh, others of us feel like, you know, God is much more like, like this, like a rule book, full of rules, full of all kinds of do's and don'ts for my life. That's kind of how we feel like God is sometimes. He's just a set of rules to live by. Those are some of our feelings when it comes to who God is. But if we want to be true to the scriptures... We have to acknowledge this, that God feels emotion. God feels emotion. He creates man and woman. He creates them in perfect unity way back in the Garden of Eden. And something happens. Sin happens. And and they both choose to sin against God. And they both choose to reject him. And that leads to their offspring and their offspring's offspring and on and on and on rejecting him. In fact, in Genesis chapter six, it says it like this. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. God felt grief. The Bible tells us God felt emotion because his, his offering of love by definition means something. It means vulnerability. And when you offer love to somebody, that is a way of being really vulnerable. When we love We give power away. We give power to accept or reject. And if you were God, like God the creator, and wanted to express love, I mean, the one who created the universe, who was so powerful, and you want to express love, how do you do it? How do you do it? Well, if he comes in all of his power, that just might scare us off. It just might scare people off. Did you know, in fact, that the Ten Commandments, the first two of the Ten Commandments were given in first person? And then the rest of them were in third person. Why? Because as they were given, people began to tremble. And so God backed them off to the third person. Just God speaking is too much to handle. Like if he were going to come and show love, he'd have to strip his power away. He'd have to strip his glory away and come in a different way. How would you come in a way, if you were God, to compel people not to run away, but to draw near. It's like if there's like a guy with, you know, $10 million and he pursues a woman and she, she just loves him for his money, not his love. That's not what God wanted to invite. And so how does God express his love to us? That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of Easter. Very early on in the life of Jesus, he was born to a poor family in an impoverished town to a pregnant teenager in a stable 
And then he was a carpenter's son. I mean, there's no flex from God in that, is there? He was an outcast in his own family. They wanted to disown him. I mean, I remember back when I preached my very first sermon, it was really, really bad. But my family was still there supporting and encouraging me. Jesus preaches his first sermon and his family wants to kill him. They want to actually take him out. Jesus hangs out with the outcasts. He hangs out with the rejects, the tax collectors, the pagans. He does all of those things, none of which are something that a powerful person would do. Jesus touches people with diseases. He touches unclean people. He touches dead bodies. He talks to promiscuous women. He always chooses the path of love, not power. He has weakness in him, but it's weakness with a purpose. The reality is this, that there is strength that is weakness. There is strength that's weakness. And there's also weakness that is strength. Like the angry man who hits his wife and his kids because he can't deal with his shortcomings. That's weakness disguised as strength. The the, the man who uses money as a weapon, not a tool to serve, that's weakness disguised as strength. The Roman soldiers who beat and then ultimately killed Jesus because they were told to and they were stronger. That's weakness disguised as strength. That was just to keep their bosses happy, just to keep the kingdom of Rome going. Their strength is a strength that's actually weakness, but Jesus showed weakness that is actually strength. He showed weakness that's actually strength. It takes incredible strength to forgive someone else who has hurt you who has wronged you. It takes incredible strength to to pray for people who persecute you. It takes incredible strength to turn the other cheek when you're hit. And during the last week of Jesus' life, he does all of those things and more. In fact, I want to read to you from the book of Luke today an extended story of what was happening in and around this time. From Luke chapter 23, it says this, Then Pilate announced to the chief priests in the crowd, I find no basis for charge against this man. You see, Jesus had been brought and arrested and brought to him. And he examined him. He said, I find no basis of charge for this man. But they insisted he stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. And moving on, it says this, Pilate Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why? What what crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and he surrendered Jesus to their will. A little on a little further, it says this. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes and they cast lots. 
One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminals, the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and then he took it down, and he wrapped it in linen cloth, and he placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. And then just a little further on, it says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense, Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. It's an incredible retelling of what happened as Luke explored it, as Luke investigated it, as he recorded this. This is God coming to us in love. Jesus hanging naked and vulnerable on the cross, asking a question that we all need to wrestle with and answer for ourselves. The question is this, what are you going to do with me? If you've ever given yourself to someone and you're waiting in response, it leaves you vulnerable, it leaves you powerless. If you've ever done that, you know how God feels. You know how he feels. That's what the cross is. The cross is him saying, I, I know what it's like to feel rejected. I know how it feels. And maybe you're living with rejection in your life now. You're asking, is it worth it to try again? Is it worth it? And God is saying through the cross, I know how that feels. On the cross, God is saying, here I am. I'm offering my love to you. I'm offering myself to you. I came to die for you. And in three days, I'm rising again for you. What are you going to do with that? There's a phrase in songs, uh, old church songs that we used to sing that says that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. 
The ground is level at the foot of the cross. God has put himself on the line for you, and we're all equal when it comes to us needing to respond to that question. He's moved as close to you as he possibly can, and he asks a question to you. In fact, the the book of Revelation records it like this. He stands at a door and knocks. This is what it says. Here I am, God says. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. God's made the proposal to you. Are you going to say yes or no? What will you do with Jesus? You can reject him and it ends there, all the possibilities in there. But if you say yes, it opens up all kinds of possibilities of relationship. So you have an invitation today. Are you ready to answer his call of love and forgiveness and relationship on your life? And if that answer is yes, because he's asking. And because he's asking, it deserves a response. It deserves a yes or a no. If your answer is yes, you can simply do this. You can accept. You can say, I accept your offer of forgiveness in life. And then you can believe. You can say, I believe you died for me to die the death that I could not, to do for me what I could not. And then that third word is the word confess. I confess my sin and my rebellion to you and my need for you. Now, if you're already someone who follows Christ, if you're already a Christ follower, God is calling you to deeper walk with him, to a deeper walk with him. What does this look like for you? Maybe it's to listen to him more closely. Maybe it's to respond to his unique call of ministry on your life. Maybe it's time for you to take a minute and just respond today. God, I hear you. God, I thank you. And I surrender to you once again. I want to pray for us. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray for those who are ready to say yes to you in a simple prayer that goes like this. I accept your offer of forgiveness in life. And I believe today that you died for me to do what I could not. And then I confess my sin and my rebellion to you and my need for you. And for those of us who are already following you, would you just strengthen us today? Would you help us to listen well to you? Would you draw us even more closely to you today? Would you help us to respond possibly to your unique calling of ministry on our lives? Would you help us do those things? We are grateful for the cross and even more grateful, Father, for the empty tomb and the life that you've brought us through this. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.